Welcome to A Walk in My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, McKinney Smith. Hey, Faith Walkers. Thank you for joining us today on the A Walk in My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but as a mindset coach, what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. We have a special treat today. Today's guest, her name is Anale Ajue. She's a mother that can be called an ambitious life adventurer. In the midst of a booming acting career, Anale shaved her head, gave up all of her worldly possessions, and took to the mountains, literally. And after 12 years of living in austere lifestyle, basically having no comforts or luxuries with her then life partner traveling the world and learning the world of business. She walked away from it to reclaim missing elements of herself and to build a new life for herself and her children. And since then, Annalee has built a successful jewelry brand where her pieces have been seen in Essence Magazine, on the show, The Social, and on celebrities like Tara Banks, just to name a few. So please welcome to the show, Annalee. Hi. Hi. <laughs> when you were reading the intro, I'm like, damn, that sounds like a lot. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I did live without luxuries. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oftentimes, like sometimes when someone will either send me a bio and I'll chop it to what I see on the internet or what I know of them. And they're oh, like, oh, sure. that sounds amazing. And I'm like, yeah, that's you. That's all you. <laughs> it's all yeah, you, girl. So thank you. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for agreeing to come on and share your inspiring story with us. You're welcome. I'm excited to be here. And again, it's a, like for everyone, our stories run so deep with so many branches and layers and leaves. It's like, okay, where do you start? And mm-hmm. I'm happy that you are in that driver's seat to help guide us share the, the story so that we can connect with each other and uh, move forward to, you know, our bigger dreams and aspirations. This entire process has been a beautiful ride, honestly. It started from me sharing my story and realizing how important our stories are and mm-hmm. wanting to share the stories of all the amazing women that I can get my hands on. So again, thank you. I mean, we sat down, it's been at least a year. So has it been almost been, two years no, ago? I think it's been more than, yeah, I think it was about two years ago. Yeah, the time was going by so fast. Uh, yeah, I don't know where the time goes. <laughs> I know. I mean, and since then, we've only met like in person, maybe like three or three times. Mm-hmm. But again, there's that that feeling of comfort and relationship because you get to connect with that person on social media. We know it's. I know it's not the same, but it's amazing how you can build a feeling of like you know somebody. Yeah. And really even though you haven't really, yeah. There you go. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and you don't get a chance to actually see that person, but. It is a nice way to introduce yourself to the world and to meet new people that you probably would never have connected with just, you know, by by chance, you know? Yes. So yes. that's great. And I love social media for that because it's allowed me to connect with so many amazing people across the globe and taking that online relationship offline to get to know each other, which is what we did when we sat down a couple of years ago. And I thought your story was so inspiring. And I like never would have known that had I not sat down with you, because from what I saw on social media and the story that you shared with me, I was like, wow, OK. That's not <laughs> so that's why I wanted to have you on the show, because your story is very inspiring and very dynamic. So before we get into the meat of your story, I like to go, I guess, start from the very beginning. 
And I ask an icebreaker question because I feel like as women, we have all these different titles that we go by. And mm -hmm. I believe that a title that's not given enough significance is our name because our names have meaning. And every time someone says your name, they're declaring who you are. So my question to you, Anale, is do you know what your name means? Okay, so I actually do. And and this is interesting because like a bridge into everything. Anale is... Um, and my whole entire name, Annalie Ajue, is legally my name, but however, it's not my birth name. Okay. okay. So Annalie was like the third name that was given to me on my spiritual journey. And that name I actually kept legally. And it was given to me by the little monks that I stayed with in the Himalayas. And they would call me Annalea, which at the time meant like old grandmother, because I kept on walking around <laughs> shivering. <laughs> shivering around the place so they it just kind of stuck and it just resonated and I'll never forget they used to sing it outside my room sometimes and it just does uh, it stayed with me but Anale is pretty much like that grace a person who's kind of devoted to a grace and an etheric energy of just um spirituality and oneness and you know having a pure-hearted intention mm -hmm. and also hardworking. so it's like it's like that couple between you know hardworking and you know just genuine intention for a collective of love for humanity um but my birth name my birth name is quite interesting also it's nishira and mm. uh yeah nishira and it has a quite a bit of a dynamic uh meaning it stems from an arabic name called nishir it's not something my mom told me like that and again every letter represented something different and it was like that a mix between, you know, destiny and luck and grace. And I feel like all those kind of things kind of blended together. So I am actually going to this, I'm, I just turned 40. So one of my gifts to myself is to reclaim my birth name. And so I will be doing a complete legal name change again and oh, merging wow. NLA, NLA and Nishira together. Love and it. So on Facebook, you will see a new name next year. <laughs> <laughs> I awesome. know people look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> You're not though. Like evolution is such a beautiful thing. Yeah, I agree too. I agree too. I've had several names actually. I've had there's some people that know me as NASA. So mm -hmm. there's a whole there's like two years everyone called me NASA, and then I was called Nami, and then I was called Namina when I was traveling to certain places. And then it just Anale just kind of stuck. And I really, I really resonated with that person that I became over time. And mm -hmm. so now it's like, I feel like a little bit of my original self, which is Nishira. I don't force anyone to call me what they can call me, whatever they're that they originally feel comfortable with and who they connected with that part of me, they connected with so they can call me whatever name it that. is. Honey, honey, that. boo, honey, <laughs> baby, <laughs> baby doll. <laughs> love it. I love it. So I did not know that Annalie was not your birth name. So when I Googled it yeah. and I saw powerful and complete, I was like, wow, okay, that, that is a very powerful name. But to know that that was given to you on your spiritual journey, that's even more powerful. So I, I love it. And your, your birth name, I love, love it. Thank you. Yeah, they're both very unique. Very. So I'm grateful for them. So let me ask you, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? Oh, I wanted to be a supermodel. I, know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I did I actually wanted to be when I say supermodel I was in love with the catwalk but I remember going into high school I really loved runway for some reason I just loved watching women walk down a catwalk and I remember having stacks of magazines there was a magazine I don't remember what it's called but it was a beautiful magazine it was just photos just 
continuous photos of women walking down runways. And there was just something about it that I fell in love with. It wasn't so much the clothes. It was just this idea of a walk and everybody was, their eyes are on you and you're silent and you're powerful and you're like serious and you having a job done. I just fell in love with it. So that was what I always wanted to be. I know it's, so okay okay I know it's not very academic (laughs) or scholarly but no but I mean I mean that's beautiful so my question now is how did you go from wanting to be a supermodel something so luxurious and Mm -hmm. deciding to shave your head and strip yourself of all of life's comforts and luxuries like what inspired that the funny thing is, is when I left high school I left high school and I was doing a lot of soul searching then because I went to high school out west in Alberta and I had a lot of relationships and friendships and some of them were good some of them were not so good and I just felt like the first time I felt really unhappy I remember feeling really unhappy with what I felt my life was at and everything that was going on because high school could be a very tumultuous time and I remember feeling like no man there's got to be more to a life that I can create for myself and as I start to focus a lot in within what I truly wanted and after that, I came to Toronto. Shortly after I graduated from high school, I came back to Toronto and I decided, you know what, I'm going to go for what it is that I aspire. And I had two things. I, I really loved fashion. I loved modeling. And then I also was very compassionate. Like I, I had this desire to like do good for the world. You know what I mean? Like I, I was always a very compassionate person for whatever you wanted, world problems, poverty, you name it. I was always like, okay, how can we solve these things? <laughs> And um, I used to spend a lot of time alone at the time I was trying to figure out how can I make a better impact to help the world. And so I used to spend time, you know, volunteering at shelters and the Scots mission. And I was also trying to search for a little bit more of a deeper religious or spiritual understanding of myself in the world. So, you know, I would go to different churches. I started to read the Bible. And at the time I was raised, I went to always went to Catholic schools and my mom was but I can't say I was a he- like heavy, heavy into the Christian faith, but I definitely was open to learning, right? So I spent mm-hmm. a lot of time trying to study and learn. And um, as I did that, I did never had a break in modeling. Like I did go to modeling agencies. I was always too short. I was a little bit too, I was not skinny enough. And then eventually I did have a break with one agency and uh, they sent me on an audition for a television commercial. I had no idea of anything. I had no clue on the industry. I never actually landed a modeling job yet. So I just went to, I just showed up at this audition and I did the audition. And then the agent called me back the next day, said, they really like you. Can you go back? It was for a Dr. Pepper TV Mm. commercial. It was a kissing scene. So I went back and um, there was another young gentleman there and the room was full of like, at the time, I didn't know who was who, but it was like director, producer, all of those people. And uh, they're like, you know, just just be natural. Just give us a good kiss. So the guy literally grabbed me. He gave me a big kiss. And I was actually taken aback. It was my first time out there. I got the job and it was a it was a U.S. national. I didn't realize it was a big deal right, mm-hmm. to land that job. And so that right away put me in a realm that I didn't I didn't even know about, which was acting. I didn't even know there was a, a union or anything like that. So right away. I got into that and I never got into modeling, but I was able to do TV commercials all of a sudden. And it actually turned out that it paid way more than just a regular modeling job. So from there, things just kind of started to roll. Like I'd get a lot of jobs. I got, you know, Nike and I got uh, Mott's Clamato and Bell Canada. And then I started to roll in that. And I, I was like amazed by how I didn't get exactly what I wanted, but I almost got a better version. So everything right. just seemed to be going so amazing. And here I was, 
I got into university and I was really excited about that because again, I was a seeker. I was seeking knowledge. I wanted to understand deeper, like the meanings of life and why am I here and what's my purpose. And I just didn't find anyone or any body to engage me deep enough to make me feel like I felt quenched by the answers fully. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I went to a lot of churches, I read the Bible and I still felt like I needed, I was missing something. I still felt like I needed a bit more. So when I started university, I was actually really excited because I literally believed that I was going to get some answers to my <laughs> purpose. <laughs> I didn't necessarily realize that it was just like a bigger high school, <laughs> you know? So when I got there, I was like, I was really dedicated to my schoolwork. You know, I banged out all A's and then my acting career kind of started to build. I was getting better auditions. I was, you know, doing more commercials and everything seemed at the time so perfect. You know, you have straight A's, you're living on your own, you have your own income, you're living a life that, you know, feels really good. But I still had this emptiness inside of me. I just couldn't figure out what it was. And so after a while, the acting um, industry started to feel really empty. Like I just, the people I was talking to, the conversations, I just wasn't feeling like anything was quenching that feeling inside of me. To make a long story short, I just, I ended up meeting somebody. I have crushes. Like I've had so many crushes. Like I'm that girl who doesn't necessarily like to date the boys, but she just likes to have crushes on them. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I like, to, I love, to, I like to love all the men. Like I just, but I don't necessarily want to date them or be with you. I just like to have you. Crushes. You appreciate so, them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I appreciate them. So when I met who who turned out to be my the father of my children, when I first met him, I was like, I just loved being in love with loving that person. Everything that they said was just it just seemed to speak to my soul. Like we just connected. And here mm-hmm. you were, we could talk about life, we could talk about spirituality, anything we could talk about and it felt like so fulling. So it didn't take long for me to feel like Hmm, I think I found something that I've been searching for is just someone that I can connect to that does something different than, you know, school or career, you know, and it is an in-depth story of how that evolved into dropping everything and leaving everything for a life of austerity. Like it really is, it didn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, they definitely had their own personal visions of a community of people living together and everything is shared. And, you know, and I had very pure, almost naive vision of it all. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, think of all the people I could help. Think of all the good things I could do. Think of all the, you know, the amazing things we can do around the world. And slowly by slowly, I got deeper into, you know, meditation and Buddhism and just different ideas of spirituality. And slowly by slowly, I just felt that that concept fulfilled me a lot deeper than, let's say, my career was or my school was. Mm -hmm. And so slowly it came to the point where I realized that their vision that they had was not necessarily the vision that I had. But to be honest, I I fell in love with that person. And when you're young at 20, it's like that first love. Mm-hmm. And this is what I, I noticed with women in general, when we fall in love, we will give our all to that love, yep. you know, and so sometimes, <laughs> especially if we weren't, you know, I didn't have my dad, you know, I was raised by a single mom, and I didn't really have, a, I didn't start building a relationship with my biological father till I was about 12 or 13, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to completely blame it on that. But I think that element of being a little girl and 
you know, you have a vision of someone you're in love with. And so when you meet a, a man that you fall in love with, you can easily, if you never had it growing up, you could easily give more to it than you really should. Right. So I feel like that was part of it. I feel like part of it, I was willing to give more to that relationship and to that vision that I think I felt was balanced for me. And it just kept on building right away. It was like, okay, we have a plan. We're going to build this beautiful community somewhere out in the world. And it was such a grand concept, but the reality of it actually coming to fruition and watching it happen was amazing because it actually started to happen. I stopped acting. I stopped going on auditions. I stopped, I dropped out of school. I started to commit myself to this idea and it actually started to grow. Um, We went to the, our first trip was to Guatemala where In Guatemala, we decided that the source of income was going to be jewelry. Mm -hmm. And it started off very basic. Like I literally collected hundreds of shells off of the the lake and I brought them back to Canada and I made little holes and I made them into earrings. And we just started to sell our stuff in Kensington Market. And it just started to grow. And from there, we would just start to import and we started to make jewelry and we would just work. That's all we did was make jewelry and show up and sell it. And then slowly that pattern started to accumulate quite a bit of cash flow. And then it also started to accumulate a lot of attention because the person commanded a lot of attention. And when you focus your mind on meditation and eating a certain life, and it's very easy to have a certain energy about you that yes. could draw people, you know, like, yeah. So that, that started to happen. And um, then the slowly your clothing changed. So slowly it became more and more, I'm not sure of the right words to use, but everything became monotone. Like everything started to look the same. We started to talk the same. And before you know it, people were saying to me, it's like, oh, it seems like you're in a cult, right? Mm-hmm. And when they'd say that to me, it'd be so much like so absurd because I'm like, well, this is my family. These are the people I spend time with. That's yeah, so of course ridiculous. you'd find that because offensive. You, yeah, you find it offensive and you spend so much time with each other and you feel like everyone's intentions are so good and we're only trying to do good and we're trying to do a good thing. So that word seems so bizarre. It's only years and years later when I realized how deep I was into that lifestyle and I didn't have anything outside of it. And I started to do a little bit of research that I realized that some of their characteristics and their behaviors were what people would classify as a cult. You know what I mean? And as scary as that word sounds, because we think of like, you know, Jim Jones, and we think of like, very extreme behaviors, my lifestyle in one essence was very extreme. It became to the point where I didn't have any friends. I wasn't going to school. I worked and did everything for this family of people who we all had to talk the same, dress the same, walk the same. We all had our own little individual characteristics, but on one side of the coin, All of that stuff can sound very negative, but on the flip side of it, there was a lot of amazing things that happened. Shaving my head and disconnecting from society also gave me a perspective into like my spirit and who I was and just being able to sit in silence for an extreme amount of time, like sitting in the mountains and you're just sitting there and it's just you and you get to see a part of yourself that is very powerful because it's separated from how the society can define us Mm -hmm. and you can find a certain level of peace within yourself that no matter what goes on outside of you you're good and that was definitely something I think drove me to this life was that I was searching for that level of inner stability that knows itself in a way that no matter what's going on on the outside world there's a sense of true peace Mm -hmm. and it took a while to get there 
you know, because all of a sudden this family and this life, there was just so much drama too that went on in there. And the drama took away from that intention of just finding a place of peace of mind. So, you know, to make a long story short, 12 years later, we managed to build the jewelry that we sold. We never wore jewelry. That was the funny thing. We never wore jewelry. We We wore white gowns, no makeup, no jewelry, bald head, but here we were selling tons and pounds and pounds of jewelry. Like I was importing, I would fly to India and come back with, like I was talking to my dad today over it. It was a joke because duffel bags full of like really unique pieces we would spend 30 days shopping for in all of the markets in India and bring it back and we would sell it and we didn't wear the stuff ourselves. Wow. You know, but eventually we build up enough cash flow because we didn't do anything fancy. There was no partying. There was no fancy clothes. There was no brand names. There was no like expensive outings. There was nothing. We just lived very basic. So it was very easy for the cash flow to stack up. And before you know it, we were able to travel to like different parts of Africa. I spent like months in Egypt with my daughter, Rwanda, Tanzania, Jordan, Israel like a lot of great, amazing experiences. And I got to connect with people on a level where they didn't see us as tourists, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because we look so uniquely different. I remember even being in Jordan and what someone would consider like the FBI, like actually coming to find out who we were and what we we wanted in their country. (laughs) Wow. So we stood out everywhere we went. We stood out. We stood out. And not only that, we became a symbol for people to connect with. People looked at us as a place that they can look to for guidance or just to connect or just as they would go to a meditation temple, people would come to our homes just to meditate and just chill out and find a sense of peace. But I didn't realize how sometimes the silence could be so deafening. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) the silence like became too much where sometimes I would only be comfortable in silence. Like if someone tried to engage too much in the conversation with me, I would feel very uncomfortable. You know, it's funny you say that. I I have a friend who she fasts a lot and I find Mm -hmm. that her spiritual strengths are heightened when she's fasting because she's removed food and and sometimes even Mm -hmm. water from her diet. And this year, as I've been healing, because I removed myself from being around people and spending 90% of my time actually in my room, (laughs) when I go out, my senses are so heightened right now. Yeah. What you, the energy you feel, the sounds that you hear, the light, you're heightened to everything because you've removed yourself from the noise and the chaos. Absolutely. And what you said, like, I'm talking about a life that I don't necessarily live as much right now. I'm speaking about memories of what you just kind of described, where every day was felt like you were on drugs, like your senses are so heightened, Heightened, right? Yeah, your senses are so heightened. And not only that, people feel that heightened energy. I remember Mm -hmm. times where we would be sitting there. I remember me and another sister in in the community, we we were sitting there and we had our jewelry table out. And we were just doing us, like we were sitting there quiet. And we had uh, two girls approach. They approached the table and they were just looking for a little bit. And they were just looking and then slowly, slowly they started to slow down. And one of them looked up and she's like, wow. She's like, I feel like this incredible sense of peace. And these are just two random women. Mm -hmm. And they just stood there for a moment. And the other girl looked up and then all of a sudden she's like crying. Tears are falling down her eyes. And she's like, I don't know why. She's like, I don't know why I feel like this. I just feel like so much peace at this table. It's overwhelming. And that would happen on a regular basis. So that life became normal for us. But what happened was eventually... 
I think, and I don't want to go too deep into all of it, but there was a lot of control and a lot of sometimes manipulation because it's not easy because we're humans, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. I just wanted to, I'm like, oh, I wonder what it's like to wear booty shorts again, you know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so your eyes are straying and you're just like, I'm sick of this freaking vegetarian lifestyle and, you know, you just, sometimes you just want <laughs> to run away, you know what I mean? It's like, wow, am I trapped here? Like, you realize that it becomes so part of you that you're like, do I have another option? And right. it was fine. It's like commitment's not a problem when you want to be there. But what happens when you actually want to leave? How mm-hmm. does that affect everything? And then eventually when I had my child and I realized I was in love with a man that could never give me what I truly wanted, which was a family, like just a regular family. And I was taught that that was something that was like a brainwashing for me to want that. Like that's not the will of life we all just individuals who we have to experience each other there was no personal commitment but I knew I was in love with him and I knew that I built this life because of my love for him but mm-hmm. he could not give me that love in return even though we had children together in this lifestyle so eventually I knew that you know my heart there's times where I was very lonely extremely extremely lonely so I think at some point that level of loneliness started to drive me to like miss my family and you know after I had my daughter I really realized I'm really unhappy like how unhappy I was in that life even though people looked up to us and even though I felt like I was committed to something that I gave my my spiritual commitment to so I felt Mm -hmm. like I had a relationship that was my commitment to God and then I had a commitment to these people but then I realized within that that I actually wasn't communicating with God anymore you know what I mean? I wasn't communicating with myself anymore. I was letting this thing direct my life path. And I'm like, this isn't my full story. This isn't my life path. It's an experience. So eventually when I started to voice my unhappiness and how I was ready to leave, that's when I saw the more of the unpleasant side of things, right? Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't easy for me to just pick up and leave. It actually, from the moment that I knew that I wanted to go back into the regular world and to live my life, it took me three years to actually accomplish it. Oh, wow. So yeah, it took a long time to develop my senses because you, I've lived in an incubator for 12 years where I didn't even know what was up. Like I didn't, I didn't know what was going on wow. in the real world. I really did live in an incubator. And my daughter thought like traveling on a plane was a normal thing. You know, she would cry at two years old. I want to get on the plane. I want to go somewhere. It was like, wow. we did. We lived a very unique life, you know. So eventually I did move on and I did leave with my two children. My son was just turning one when I finally packed up and that was it. And here I was. I spent 10 years building up a considerable sizable amount of savings. They could have traveled. We had very different viewpoints on how to manage money as well, which is also conflictual for me because here I was now a mom of two and I'm not a gypsy. I don't want to just travel the world like a hippie anymore. You know what I mean? I want to play some roots. I want to have a family. Like I now I really saw that family unit of, you know, a husband and a wife became so valuable to me. And uh, him as like, I guess, the spiritual leader, all of a sudden he was able to exempt himself from like fatherly roles all of a sudden, just normal things like changing his diaper all of a sudden was just too basic for your spiritual superior, like superiorness. And I'm like, wow. that's, I just, it was like a bunch of bullshit to me all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. I was like, all of this is for nothing. So I walked away with pretty much nothing. I just asked for enough for first and last. And it wasn't easy. Like there was a lot of, for the first time ever in 12 years, there was like verbal yelling and arguments. And it just, because I looked up to him. I never really fought, like verbally fought with mm-hmm. him in that way. 
mm-hmm. you know. So eventually when I tore myself away, I did go and stay with family in the States. And, you know, since then it's been, I'm on my 10th year of building and it took a long time to kind of heal through the stages, mm-hmm. you know, to get to reconnect. I don't know if people are familiar with Marion Williamson, but she has this thing called the law of divine compensation, where sometimes when we kind of come off the path, when we start, you know, moving forward to our path again, things happen quickly to catch you up to where you would have been, right? right? Had, had you not kind of veered off the path a little bit. So that's what I felt like the last eight years has been like so many things have happened to kind of catch my maturity, catch my development back to what it would have been if I never left the life that I was living. So it's been a roller coaster over the last eight years and a lot of dedications. I remember my first year of being a single mom, I've never felt so much worry and anxiety in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I spent the last 12 relate. years. <laughs> yeah, it's like you spent 12 years trying to find a place of peace. And then you, <laughs> then you jump off the, the deep end and you're like, wow, I'm so worried. I'm so anxious. I don't know what I'm doing. And it took a while for me. I was raised by a very strong single mother. And I remember that first year when I was by myself, I called her up and I cried and I'm like I'm so sorry I never understood what you went through Mm -hmm. I always kind of criticized her about why didn't she do this it's so hard to take care of kids and like build an income or to take care of all the expenses or just do the things that you want all of a sudden I didn't have the opportunity to fly wherever I wanted anymore you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so it was a bit of a reality shock then on the top of that it's like reuniting myself back into just the world and Right away, I had the great opportunity of building a relationship with a close friend that I had in high school, and he kind of really was a rock for us in that beginning few years. We didn't end up staying together, but definitely he made that impact. He helped me kind of find my way again. And so since then, you know, I've just been really, really working hard to ensure that I have a strong future for my kids and it was crazy because when I first started like the first few years it was like okay things are going to be a little crazy for a little while well because I've been self-employed for 20 years right (laughs) right so it's not like the the concept of me just being like "Hmm, maybe I should just get a job like that didn't really ring resonate listen I get it girl I get it I went from being a (laughs) stay-at-home mom (laughs) I was a stay-at-home mom for five years and I've been an entrepreneur for the last 10 and about two months ago, and I thought to myself, because I've been off all of 2019, you know, healing from all kinds of things. And I thought, maybe I should get a job. And then there was a thought in my head. I was like, what are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, there was a time I did. Like, there was a couple of, like, years. Within two years of the, all of this, I did, I did manage, like, a men's clothing store for a year. And then I did also take, you know, a few part-time jobs. But Again, sometimes you've been doing it so long, it becomes in your blood. You know, you're just looking to expand your entrepreneurship as opposed to leave entrepreneurship, right? Right. right. So you just realize, though, I just need to find other avenues. I just need to branch out to bring more. I have to have more antennas out there just bringing in more revenue from different areas. But you're still all self-employed, right? So I guess that's what I learned. And um, I've also learned because I lived in that community, it was kind of easy to take opportunities of being like, okay, maybe I should just spend a couple of years having roommates, you know? So mm-hmm. for three years, I did have a wonderful woman that, you know, we shared a home with, with my kids and we had a friendship, but there's no, but it was great. And then when it was time to move on, it was time to move on. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that really helped me just being able to know that I lived without a lot of things that I was like able to get back up on my feet, mm-hmm. you know? 
um, I was able to just quickly build and then I had the discipline. But I worked so hard in that life that it was really hard for me to work as hard anymore. You know, it was mm-hmm. like, okay, Annalee, I need you to you push yourself. But it was like, you know, I don't want to. I, for a while, I just didn't find myself worthy enough. Like I've always used to working for a cause or something greater than myself. That was worthy for me to like put in the toiling. But me, myself, just for me, was I worthy enough to, to put that much toil in just for the, my own benefit? So that took a while for that concept to sink in. And it was like, actually, yeah, you can toil just to buy whatever you want to buy, to wear whatever you want to wear, to drive what you want to drive, to live in whatever house you want to live in. That's so what, what advice would you give to a woman right now that's thinking about giving up on herself? Well, the first thing I think is like giving up on yourself you're still going to find yourself there in the give up land. When you go to give up land, you'll still be there, right? So <laughs> you can't really, you can't really run from yourself. And mm-hmm. even the moments where you feel like I can't do this anymore and you t- turn to look back at what your alternative is, you're still going to have to endure the pain of all of the consequences of that as well. You know, and so when I say when people say give up, it's sometimes you have to be a little bit more specific in terms of what what alternative are you looking at as opposed to what you're attempting to achieve or what you feel, because especially emotional, like emotional turmoil, when you're enduring that, it's really hard to then look at, you know, achievements or goals or things like that. You just you're just trying to survive from this thing that's making you feel like your life is not worth living. Absolutely. And yeah, and that right there is a very scary thing. I mean, I know I definitely have had times where I'm like the blues or depression or whatever you want to call it had hit so hard that you're just literally staring at the ceiling saying like, I just don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. It's not like, I'm not saying that I would always be like, oh, I want to take my life. But that feeling that you don't want to be here, that is a scary thing. And I think, you know, our society has become so infatuated with if your life doesn't look like this then it really isn't worth living you know and sometimes we have gone through things where there is so much pain like people who like I've had to realize I love this person I gave my whole life to this person and they never even came close to loving or appreciating me the way that I desired and that was very the way that you deserved yeah the way that I deserved right Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so that was so painful to go through And I would say to any woman is like, look yourself in the mirror and just like strip away everything and look at yourself in the mirror. And just as you are, like you're so worthy of your own love, you Mm -hmm. know, like hug yourself, cry it out, like, and tell yourself no matter what, sometimes I've had to go to the worst case scenario and find myself there mentally and embrace myself wholeheartedly in that vision. Because mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. I, in my fear, so it's like, say, Anna, you have nobody to turn to, or I would just sometimes think about what am I so scared of or anxious about, and I'd meet myself there and tell myself in that situation that I'm there for myself, that I love you, and God loves you, the universe loves you, and the moment I would do that, it would just help transition out of that feeling. Yeah, and so when affirmations are would, so important. Yes. And when that feeling would pass, I would then take time to acknowledge that, okay, I'm still here. That feeling is gone. I'm grateful for this space of mind where I could feel like, okay, now I've had to work on letting that feeling pass. And now Mm -hmm. I'm going to work on building, pouring into me now. Like now I'm going to pour in the good stuff. 
right? So what is your self-care routine? Mm -hmm. um, Right now, I spend a lot of time alone. I like to spa. I really like to spa. I like to listen to music. You know, I spent years meditating, like years in silence <laughs> of meditation. Mm-hmm. So I'm over it. <laughs> like I, I have the tolerance to meditate for like maybe two minutes, like five minutes maximum. Right. And then I'm like, okay, I'm good. You know, I mm-hmm. like to listen to music. I dress every day. Like I love, because I now I, I love fashion. So I dress every day. Like I don't have a nine to five to go to, but when I step outside of my house, I'm like fully dressed. Like, well, I like what you wanted to be I, when you're a little girl. Yeah, you want to be that Super Bowl. I, yeah, you walk in that runway, Yeah, I girl. do my makeup. I do my makeup. I dress. I don't save my good clothes for an event. I wear them every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, whether I'm just going to just do errands. I look myself in the mirror and I'm like, I love what I look like. I love seeing myself. I listen to music. I spend time with my kids. I watch comedies. I do pedicures, manicures. I take time. I exercise. I eat well. I go to nice restaurants. I don't blow budget. Mm-hmm. I find places that serve very nice food, and I will go there. And I will do those things by myself because I'm very comfortable in my own skin. I'm comfortable mm-hmm. to go anywhere but myself and do my own thing. And for me, that's a treat. I enjoy just allowing my mind to roam freely and to pivot exactly where I want to pivot at that exact moment without considering another party in my space, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, all of those things combine into self-care. I returned back to school starting in April, back to York to finish my degree. Mm-hmm. And so my time has been very limited. So running the businesses, going to school, taking care of the kids, time has been extremely limited. Of course. So I find that I've learned to be more disciplined And for me, that actually makes me feel a lot better. I try not to spend too much time excessively on social media. I try to wake up early, waking up early and taking those few minutes to myself, Mm -hmm. knowing that I started my day, I got certain things done. So I'm not building up anxiety. I don't feel like I'm procrastinating things. I enjoy studying and I make sure I give myself enough study time. You know, my kids are hilarious. They're so (laughs) funny. They're so funny. So I make sure that I spend time just to get jokes with them because they really are hilarious. And I talk to them, you know, and sometimes I talk to my kids about some of the challenges that I personally feel, you know what I mean? Well, like if I, have to get something off, yeah, if, I have to, if I have to get something off my chest, you know, I go talk to them. And to me, that does two things. It's self-care for me because, you know, they give me great advice. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and then they we're also bonding, you know, we're also bonding. So I think that's definitely my self-care. Have you had any coaches or mentors that have helped you along the way? I've actually have. I actually have had um, an amazing dynamic woman. She lives in Toronto. I met her when I was still young and she knew me through this transition. She met me when I lived in that community. And, you know, at the time she challenged my thinking because sometimes I was a little bit extreme. (laughs) She challenged my thinking and she was always very supportive. But at the time she wasn't so much a mentor. You know, she officially became my mentor a few years ago, and it was very short-lived. I feel like I could put up resistance because I lived in a community where I was directed for so long. Mm-hmm. I Sometimes it's hard for me to take mentorship if the personality is really strong because I will put up resistance, but I will hear you. I'm really good at taking criticism. I'm really good at taking constructive criticism. I'm really good at, like, taking truth and dissecting them. But in the beginning, it might feel a bit resistant. 
so me being back in school was definitely something that was like really strongly asserted to me from my last from this individual who was doing like a not an official mentorship but we were having a conversation that was telling her some of my plans and that was definitely one of the forefronts like do not put it off anymore Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. and the message in the beginning wasn't delivered really in a way that my cup of tea I was kind of put off you the way receptive? that it was presented <laughs> I, it wasn't just the idea of going back to school it was just the whole conversation and how certain things were said that made me feel really uncomfortable after I got through the discomfort of it I was like you know what let me not procrastinate this anymore let me just take it on you know what I mean like sometimes you just have to admit you don't know all the answers you and sometimes I'm looking like you do something the same way you want different results but you're doing the same thing Right. So the like definitions of insanity open... is doing the same thing over and over again, <laughs> expecting a different result. Exactly. So uh, my entrepreneur endeavors are great. You know, I've seen great results, but at the same time, maybe what I'm really looking for, I have to kind of like dig a little deeper. Right. So I must admit, going back to school was an amazing thing for me. It really, really was. It really helped me reconnect with that part of me that I left so long ago mm-hmm. not only love to learn but my ability to take what I'm learning and actually like really apply it in my everyday life so and that's the key action absolutely so going back to school really definitely showed me all my weak points of things that I should have been applying in my businesses <laughs> <that I wasn't. laughs> but it was amazing because it's like at least I have that experience of all those things I did wrong and right to you have it wisdom to when you're to 20. add to it you have you know what I mean so you can absorb certain things better so I'm, I'm in love with being in school right now and yeah and, I'm, and I've expanded into I got my mortgage license which is amazing and I still have the joy business thank you so I came across this article on Reader's Digest that I use on every episode and basically it says that whatever your favorite type of shoe is it says a lot about your personality so I'd love to ask the women that come on the show you know, what's your favorite type of shoe? Is it like a running shoe, a stiletto, a walking shoe, a pump, a wedge, a flip-flop? What's your favorite like type of shoe? I like boots. Boots. Okay. Would you I say like, like even high Even today, I'm... No, I just like the rugged boot. I like oh, the rugged... Like, like even today, I'm wearing a brand new... I'm wearing brand new boots and I'm like loving them. <laughs> <laughs> so like I just like kind of, yeah, a little bit of combat boots, a combat boot, a winter boot. I just like boots. Like, literally, I was thinking, oh, man, I can't wear these to a party, can I? No. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, I I just love, I love boots, man. Like, okay. I love stylish boots. I love boots. So, it says that you love to plan ahead, and rather than live impulsively, you're very analytical in your approach to life and prefer to have a strategy. This way, you're always prepared for what's next, and you never have to worry about unforeseen circumstances or obstacles. The work boot wear is grounded, very practical, and always has a plan. This person never moves without a plan and is always thinking two or three steps ahead. Is that you? That is me now. (laughs) That was never me before. That is me now. That is me now. That's awesome. Okay, so tell the people where they can stay connected with you online. My jewelry website is at bianalay.com, and that's also the Instagram is bianalay. And yeah, just my Facebook is Anale Adjoy. Awesome. I will definitely have the links in the detail section of your episode so they can click and connect with you immediately. They don't have to search too far. And for the final segment of the show, I like to call it a walk in her wisdom, where I just ask you a couple of reflection questions and you say the first thing that comes to mind. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? It'd be a what, just plain white 
or salmon and it would say you matter in big white letters i love it love it okay name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life it's written by the kite runner a thousand setting suns mm. a thousand okay. setting suns it was about a, it was about a sisterhood that formed uh, through the afghani war where she had to run over to the neighbors and become the second wife to a husband and the sisterhood they escaped the war that was happening in Afghanistan. So it's an amazing story. That's wow. my book. Okay. What have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? And that could be distractions, family, invitations. Saying no to just negative thoughts about not being able to move forward. Like just defeating, self-defeating thoughts. Mm-hmm. Self-doubt. Okay. Self-doubt, um, yeah, definitely. What do you wish women would do more of? I wish we would just walk up to each other more and just give each other hugs and just like say, yo, hey, you look amazing. Like just feel comfortable connecting with each other just out of the blue. Just like I that. that. I wish women could just be like, hello, how are you? You have a great day. You look amazing. Like just be more, just more being comfortable with just seeing each other and just sending love. I love that because I used to do that often. I used to be walking in a mall or even when I used to actually <laughs> my party days with my sister and see another woman looking beautiful, especially you're in the bathroom, everyone's fixing their hair and give them the most amount of compliments. I need to go back yeah. to that. So thank you for that reminder. Yeah. Thank you. No, no, me too. I too. And I, and I, and I think it's okay for us to feel comfortable just saying hi. And if you want to have a conversation, have it. If you want to keep moving, keep moving. But just to feel more like we got each other's backs. You know? I love that. Okay. Last but not least. What impact do you want to have in the world? I want to, the impact I really want to have is to be able to set the stage for my future generations, my children and my children's children, to be able to have enough support financially and emotionally so that they can fully express what they desire in their heart. Awesome. Annalie, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us. I truly appreciate you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you too. This was so nice. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And to all of you faith walkers out there until next time, subscribe to our newsletter at awalkinmystilettos.com and grab one of my personal development books available online everywhere. And if you've received value from today's show, share it with a friend that needs to hear Annalise's testimony. Be sure to screenshot this week's episode and tag us on Instagram at Annalise, B-Y-A-N-N-A-L-A-Y. And I am at The Real McKinney Smith. Continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your call.